to the Father and Lord God, we really don't know what your plan is for Israel in these coming days and weeks and maybe months. It's, it's up to you, Lord, and we can help give direction to people, try to explain what the situation is over there if people don't understand how the Lord fits in there. And we don't always understand, but Father, take care of your people. There are so many innocent lives being lost right now. We would love to see it come to an end, but it's up to you, Father. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay, the, the name of this is Religion, Me, You, and Jesus Christ. It sounds kind of long, and, and it is kind of long. As we find our way through this rapidly changing world, what we knew as reality 20 or 30 years ago is vastly different today. Let's face it, 10 years ago, the landscape we faced in our everyday society was foreign to what we see today. I'm probably going to be doing that a lot, too. Hang in there with me. <laughs> Remember that I am communicating this to you from the viewpoint of a gray-haired, slightly past middle-aged man. Think about what we see on a daily basis. There are more tents on our highways and even on our city sidewalks than we have in our forest parks. The state of Oregon, and in particular, the city of Portland, has made it legal to use hard narcotics right on our city streets. It is no wonder the young adults of today are having problems getting footholds in today's society. And most of us were able to grasp at the same age. Many of us were born and raised in Northwest Oregon, where as teenagers and younger, we picked strawberries and other crops for summer employment. This is how we purchased our school clothes for the next year. I'm not sure what today's employment laws are, but I know that a pair of Levi's can cost 50 or $60, and they already have holes in them. So I've said all this to show compassion for the 20-somethings of today. When they show up in church, my heart goes out to them immediately. I've been lucky enough to have received 98% of my Bible teaching at True Hope. I've been to a few other churches where I was always greeted by a charming and charismatic person. They were always polite and bubbly. So after we sang some songs, I waited for the teaching, but it never materialized. We would be told of the great expansion of their church buildings, 
or saving money to send a few lucky individuals to the Holy Lands, but never about spreading the gospel. I can look back and see that we were not being taught the words of Christ, but rather how to be a prosperous member of their congregation. Christ calls on each of us to be people of strong and upright character, regardless of our financial status. We are to put our faith in the grace of God. In Romans 5:14, or, or, excuse me, in Romans 5:1 through 4, Paul tells us this. And I need to find it. Here we go. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. Now, I don't think the Lord is thinking of us going through physical pain and sufferings. It's about going through the trials and issues we deal with in everyday life. I believe we come out the other side stronger for all of it. Brothers and sisters, I do not mean to use this time to give my life's testimony, but my life is the best example I know of someone starting as an adult so completely ignorant of God. So there will be a reference or two of my experiences. Again, please bear with me. I actually began this study months ago to better understand the word religion and how it was used biblically. There is no word in the Old Testament meaning religion. In the New Testament, the international version, there are five uses. The Latin base of the word is religar, which means to hold back or restrain. What are we being held back from? In Greek, the root threskia, meaning outward expression of spiritual devotion. Paul is the first to use the word in Acts 25.19 and again in Acts 26.5. Here Paul defends himself in front of Festus and King Agrippa in Caesarea. He uses the term when describing himself as an upstanding member of the Pharisees, trying to give his testimony concerning Jesus Christ some credence. There are three other uses of the word. All have reference to simple worship, and they are mostly in the New International Version. My study became much more interesting when I moved from religion to religious. Again, 
New King James Version in the Old Testament does not contain a single use of the word. New International Version has two uses, both of them in the book of Amos. Both times God was reprimanding Israel for idol worship. The first is Amos 5.21 and it reads, I hate I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. The second use, Amos 8.10, I will turn your religious festivals into mourning and all of your singing into weeping. I will make all of you wear sackcloth and shave your heads. Now, all through the Old Testament, we came to know that sackcloth and shaved heads were not signs of joy. And idol worship does not set well with God ever. In Acts, Paul was brought before the Areopagus Council in Athens. The powers to be in Athens viewed Paul as nothing more than a babbler advocating foreign gods and strange ideas. In Acts 17, 22 verses, excuse me, Acts 17, verses 22 and 23, Paul addresses the council. People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. The King James Version uses the word superstitious rather than religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing that you're worshiping. Paul went on to tell them, the one true God, who is Jesus, makes himself available to them, but they must come to him knowing him as such, the one true God. Paul tried to delineate between truth and superstition. Some of his audience believed, but most just sneered. There are four more uses of religious in New International Version of the Bible. You can find them in Colossians 2.16, Hebrews 10, verse 11, and James 1, verse 26 and verse 27. All are about unnecessary actions during festivals and rituals or of repetitious prayers to gain attention. Our Lord calls us to use his word as a blueprint for our lives and our families. Not all of us came to Christ at an early age. I had 40 years to learn how to be self-reliant, self-serving, and real proud of all that I was. Our Lord is very patient with all of us. 2 Peter 3 verse 15, bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you, 
with the wisdom that God gave him. Just how patient is said well in the King James Version of 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slacking, or the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, or to each of us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And that's all of us, folks. Brothers and sisters, our Lord is never going to change. He is the same today as he was yesterday and the same as he will be in the morrow. In order for us to experience the true measure of the love he has for us, it is you and I who need to fit into his mold, not the other way around. We all have differing testimony as to how we came to faith, but I am lucky enough to know at what moment it actually took place. And like all of you, I was a new creation, having a new character and a very new eternity. I came across a vote, a quote by Oswald Chambers that reads, it is not the baptism of the Holy Spirit which changes men, but the power of the ascended Christ coming into a men's lives by the Holy Ghost that changes them. Let's think about that for just a moment. We have the power of Jesus Christ in us. Obviously, we cannot perform miracles or walk on water, but we can communicate with the Almighty God, Father of heaven and earth. In the course of my study, I came across a statement by J. Vernon McGee. He told of a pastor friend of his that told him, when I came to Christ, I lost my religion, and I agree. I have seen many times that when a person labels someone else as religious, he himself has no faith whatsoever. We are all aware of our Lord's command to share the gospel. Maybe we could use this discussion about religion as a springboard to the gospel and what it is to have a personal relationship with Christ. In Peter, in 1 Peter 3, verse 15 and 16, we are told, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. In verse 15, it says to share the message with gentleness and respect, not with a bunch of screaming or yelling, jumping up and down like we may see on some platforms or on television. 
Not all of us are going to respond to the good news in the same way. Evangelism is a process, a different process for each of us to be reached. The process may take five minutes, five days, or five years. It is a process. No matter, the end result is worth it. I recently lost a close family member. I had made several attempts to lead him to a discussion of eternal security. No matter what my lead in, his response was the same. He would tell me he believed in God and he believed in Jesus. He even attended midnight mass a few times on Christmas Eve. But ask him, of a relationship with Christ, <coughs> excuse me, he would raise his hand and start talking about his favorite sports team of the week or last year's elk hunt, which are both good topics, but they do not remove you from your sins. I continue to have a weight on my shoulders, not knowing if Steve will be waiting for me in heaven. I have a friend that I have spent countless hours and days with after more than 50 years of solid friendship. After losing my cousin, I was determined to know if Dan knew Christ in an intimate matter. Dan is a Catholic, as was Steve. He and I speak of God often, but up to this time, we had never spoken of eternal security. So one day when we were cutting firewood, I asked him straight away, do you have Jesus leading you to heaven? He looked at me with a blank look on his face. He said, Randy, Jesus is all I've got. What else is there? And ladies and gentlemen, I cried like a baby. I have read that religion is man's search for God and the gospel is God's search for man. That statement is one reason why when someone asks me what religion I am, I respond that I have no religion. I have a personal relationship with Christ. I have put my faith in the Savior of the Bible. He is the reason I attend Wednesday Bible study and Sunday service. He is the reason I am standing in front of you now with a, my blood pressure way too high. Most all of you know Cheryl, my wife, has terminal cancer. We've put all our eggs in one basket, Jesus Christ. Yes, we still see a lot of doctors, but she nearly died from their answer to the cancer. I made them quit. They argued, but I refused to allow them to continue the chemotherapy and radiation. Those treatments worked great for some, but it took her six weeks in the hospital to recover from the treatments. Yes, she still has the cancer. 
and it is growing, but she is alive and at home. Had she continued with the chemo, she would not have recovered. Her oncologist is amazed at how well she is doing, and she is alive and we are together. Her oncologist understands what part we want him to play in her treatment, and he's good with it. You are sitting in front of me right now are a huge part of my therapy. I would not do well without you. Many times I have walked through the doors of this building and it almost smells like love. I nearly always arrive early because I know I have some burdens to shed before I go before the Lord. I know that greeting my brothers and sisters in Christ is so much sweeter after I've had a drink of Jesus. As I go on with my words, some of you may think I am really a godly man. Far from it. I am very, very human. My choices have led me to some really dark places. Believe me when I tell you, I have seen the pit. For some reason, unbeknownst to me, Christ reached out and plucked me from oblivion. This was many years before I knew that I even needed Jesus. But I can look back now and see it for what it was. He had a place in his will he wanted me. I found it. At least for right now, he wants me here at True Hope. God will give you channel markers to follow in your life. Just like when you are in a boat, you should follow them. If you look, you will find them in Scripture. But as I have found, you will not absorb them through osmosis. You must be in the Word to find your way. You must follow the light of Christ and learn to skip over the pitfalls that the enemy sets for you. The word will give you inspiration in times when your life seems empty. It will give you solace and comfort when your world seems filled with bitterness and pain. God's word gives us a place to gather as his children in the love that is the person of Jesus Christ. One last thing, just as Peter did in what I have done today, get out of the boat and keep your eyes on Christ. And that's it, brothers and sisters, and I thank you for listening to me.